You're listening to Popcorn Ronin with Roger and Vince. Every two weeks, they give their thoughts on movies, TV, and anime. Ask the average person, at least in the West, what anime means, you'll often get two different responses. One, the weird Japanese shit that comprises the bulk of the genre. And two, that spirited away guy. Because at least in America, that's how we, well, that's how the populace at least views anime. They're familiar with Miyazaki, maybe not by name, but by reputation. He's always up for Oscars every year. His movies have grossed large amounts of money at the box office. I wouldn't say he's a household name, but he's easily the most respected, let's say, of the anime directors in America. Well, in recent years, a new name has popped up. The name of Makoto Shinkai, being referred to as the next Miyazaki. Now, I doubt there will ever be a next Miyazaki, much in the same way there won't be a next Walt Disney or any other influential creator. However, Makoto Shinkai is well on his way to having a very good career and making a name for himself as something new and his own thing. This past year, he released his latest film, Your Name, to incredible critical acclaim and overwhelming box office success. It's the second highest grossing animated feature produced in Japan behind Miyazaki's own Spirited Away, the fourth highest movie period in Japan behind, of course, Spirited Away, as well as Frozen and Titanic. And due to its incredible popularity in China and other overseas, has become the number one grossing Japanese produced film of all time. Needless to say, it's a hit and I've been waiting quite a while to talk about it. So have I, actually. I, I, I went into it with a little too high expectations, I will say, mm. right from the get-go, which isn't to imply I'm going to complain, not at all, but just to say that my expectations were pretty high, and you know who's to blame for that? You and Allie, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> because you guys were talking about it on Twitter a lot. And your praise was pretty intense. So I was thinking, oh, my God, this is this is a must-watch then. Still knowing full well, to a certain degree, your tastes and hers. So I was like, <laughs> it's probably not that amazing, but I'm expecting very good. Especially when you're suggesting something, which isn't to say anything negative about Allie, but Sailor Moon's not my thing. Uh, so I was thinking, okay, well, this is going to be astounding. And the first watch was not disappointing but it it was a lot of me going this is this is it like i i don't know what it was i was expecting but it wasn't a freaky friday story it was when i watched it the second time that's when all of a sudden there were 
there were none of my expectations, which I brought to the first viewing, had nothing to do with the show. That was on me. And so instead of constantly be wondering, is there more, instead of enjoying what's happening, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're spending all that time like disappointed because it's not something that you thought it was going to be instead of enjoying what it is. So on second viewing, you appreciate the subtle details. And that's one of the things that you brought up Miyazaki. Um, it's one of those things that you appreciate when you watch a lot of his films. And that's why when you said there's never going to be another, well, there definitely will not because there won't be another creator that has that much respect for all those little nuances, all those little things. And it's the bulk of that, which really allows you to lose yourself in the film. And again, while I wouldn't say this is Miyazaki level, that level of immersion, because you feel every little detail is authentic, not just to the different areas, times, different things like that, but also right down to the little character things. Like when you are seeing them flipped and you're seeing this very feminine boy, it's it's so well done. A, a very simple twist of the hair. And you're going like, oh, like that was beautifully done. So it is a film that I think is important that for people who have not seen it and are going solely off of what you described, this overwhelming success, that they might be setting themselves up. Now, if you're a fan of anime, that likely won't matter. If you're a true fan and diehard anime fan kind of thing. But if you are an average viewer, like you described, people who liked Miyazaki, Spirited Away especially, then don't go into this expecting that level of this is one of the best an, uh, anime to come out in a while because you might be disappointed, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely a film that, while fantastic, and like you said, it's, it's a great film on its own, a lot of its success is also due to timing. Like, it just, it really resonated with, with an audience and right. that helped it explode beyond, you know, what would have been reasonably expected of the film because nobody expected it to, of course, become what it has. Like, even Makoto Shinkai himself was like, please stop going to see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't heard that. That's awesome. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> Because he's actually not happy with it. Like, he says it's good, but it's not as good as it could be because they had a budget, they had a schedule, so they couldn't do everything they wanted. So, of course, as, like every artist, it's never done. That's right. So, That's he, right. Yeah. He, so he sees what what he feels is an imperfect work, getting all this acclaim and success, and he's not happy. <laughs> well, the problem is, is that when you are in that kind of situation, as is the case with, like you said, a lot of different creative endeavors, when you're looking at your own work, you're rarely looking at the beauty that's actually there. You're looking at what is missing and what was done wrong. You're seeing just the negative and not the positive. So, I mean, it 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 is a spectacular movie. It is a very beautiful movie. I love the voice acting as well. Mm-hmm. So, like, and, and story-wise, even story-wise, it's one of those things where, again, during second viewing, you think about these things more. 
But I kept flashing to so many conversations that you and I had on Comic Book Informer where we kept saying, it's not the trope, it's what you do with it. So here's an idea that's been done a number of times, but there's little flares, there's little very personal things to that creator that are tossed in that came out that felt authentic and that made the film fun to watch despite the fact that it is something we've seen many times before. Mm -hmm. So before we get into your name itself, I want to delve into a bit of Shinkai's history because I actually watched some of his other films in preparation for this episode. And I'll go so far as to say your name is nowhere near his best movie. Uh, He started his animation career in the early 2000s. His first uh, short film came out in 2002 called Voices of a Distant Star. And he's put out several short films, anthologies, as well as feature-length movies in the years since. And one thing that really typifies his work as a writer and a director is he's very focused on telling stories about the way people connect to each other. And we, we see that here in your name, and we're going to get into that in more detail, but different ways, of course, <laughs> these sometimes fantastic circumstances, but it's always about interpersonal cr- connections and how people can help each other grow up, mature, become better people, Sometimes fall in love, sometimes they don't. And it's it's always a very much more personal thing. And this is the biggest thing that separates him from Miyazaki. Miyazaki's films were known for their, their grandiosity in these incredible, fantastic worlds. They were still character pieces at their core, but Shinkai's work is very, very much more focused and for the most part grounded in, if not always the real world, something a little more recognizable than we, we've come to expect from Miyazaki's stuff. So, for example, uh, in 2011, he released uh, what, I, what I and a lot of people would say was his best work, a movie called Children Who Chase Lost Voices. It's the closest he'll come to that, like, Miyazaki template in, in that it involves a uh, teenage girl kind of venturing off to this mystical world. And it, it's it's a story about loss and... Coming to grips with it, like, it, it kind of reminds me a lot of uh, the story of Nino Kuni in sort in certain ways. How it was about Oliver going to this fantastic world and coming to grips with like the loss of his mother, but it's it's a big twist here because she goes like a teacher at school and he's the one that has to come to grips with the loss. But it's again a story about mainly these two characters, this teenage girl and her school teacher, connecting on this journey through this fantastical realm, and it's. It, Gorgeous. One of the most beautiful animated movies I've ever seen. I highly recommend people to check that one out. What's the name again? Children Who Chase Lost Voices. I'm going to check that out. The name sounds familiar, but I I never saw it, so I probably just heard about it before in Mm -hmm. passing. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. That sounds amazing. And then again in 2013, he released another film. This one, it's a feature film, but it's like barely an hour long. So it's it's definitely a, a much quicker one to sit through. It's called The Garden of Words. And it's essentially a movie with two characters, a high school boy and an adult woman. And they meet up in this park in, I think, Shinjuku in Japan on rainy mornings because he doesn't want to go to school and she doesn't want to go to work. And again, it's the story about the two of them connecting with their shared time in this place. You know, he's 
a high school teenage boy who wants to grow up and make women's shoes. And that makes him kind of hard to have friends. So, but he meets this woman who encourages him to, you know, pursue his passions. And at the same time, he like she never tells him too much about uh, herself. It's like a revelation for the end of the movie. But he's kind of helping her come to grips with where her life is and and she's able to to help someone else and it's it's basically her maturing she's you know she's essentially playing hooky at the beginning of the movie as as if she were still a kid but by the end of the movie she's you know a more fully functioning adult and what i love is how for so much of this like it's portrayed as a romance which is of course gross because she's like 12 years older than he is but until you realize it's a romance for him because of course this teenage boy you know connecting with this woman he's going to think he's in love and it does it's not portrayed that way from her point of view like she she even flat out shuts it down she's like no we can't no you're you're a kid go away like we're friends like i really value our time together but that's not how this is going to go down so again just very very strong character piece with great animation great voice acting again and I, it's it's now now watching several of his films together. I'm really starting to hone in on kind of what his particular type of movie is. See, it's funny you should mention that about the second film, another one that I'm going to make damn sure to check out, about how it's viewed differently and the, the boy is seeing some sort of romantic thing where she's shutting it down. Whereas, again, I don't want to say, going back to your intro, that I'm in that part of the camp that thinks that it's all just sleazy. That's not, but there's a lot. Let's just, let's just I'm say that. I'm not going to argue that. <laughs> there's also spectacular things that you should see in your lifetime. In the same way that I would say that about certain classic films, there are some that I feel I don't care if you like animated films or not. You, you, you owe it to yourself to watch this in your lifetime. So I have a lot of respect for it. So, the thing is, is that that kind of idea in so many other would have been handled mm-hmm. still sleazy from her I, perspective. I, for, for 75% of the movie, I was watching it like ready for that and like, oh, no, let's not go there. So exactly. Like, by the time it got it didn't go there, I was like, oh, success. Well, not just that, <laughs> but you're looking at it and thinking, you know, y- you took something and instead of ignoring it because it could make people uncomfortable or titillate some others, you, you played with it, but then you were responsible with it afterwards. And the reason I thought of that, it made me think of, of your name, is because, again, first time I watched it, mm-hmm. I'm watching it and I'm thinking, okay, what's going on here? And then there's a couple of little flashes with her, especially in the intro bit or whatever, and the skirt's kind of flopping up, and I'm going, oh, please don't make this a panty shot movie. Please don't. So, But there isn't. But then it's when he wakes up in her body and gropes her, mm-hmm. not himself, her, gropes her. And I was, the first time, my first viewing of the film, I was like, oh, fuck. That's what this is going to be. This is going to be some stupid goddamn thing. And it's not until you keep watching, and it kind of becomes a little gag, but an innocent one still. Yeah. And it's well done. And like, even let's, with let's her. Let's be honest. If, if you're telling the story, and we'll, we'll transition into your name at this point, of 
a teenage boy and a teenage girl swapping bodies and you ignore kind of the obvious bits like you, I, it's something that had to be addressed and That's like, like you said, it was done like, as a gag it was I don't want to say innocent, but it it wasn't exploitative. Let's put it no, that way. No, and that's the thing, and and it's I noticed it more the second in the second viewing, because a I knew what was going to happen, and so it wasn't like I was immediately going to be dismissive of the film because it was going to be this kind of stupid, stupid bullshit that we see in far too many other shows. Uh, now I I know like when I was the second viewing, I I knew that no, this is going to be done actually well because it is like you said you're going to grow up yourself and be curious and that's what it kind of was and it was done well enough that i i was actually glad that it was in there because it was like yeah you did all right by this right, let's let's move on to the rest of the story that's more important <laughs> but that fits in with that the short film you're talking about it's yeah. a, it's a respect for the story and the characters without using it to elicit specific responses just to titillate and things like that. Mm -hmm. So yes, here we have Your Name, which released in Japan in 2016, got an incredibly limited release in America. I think it had two showings at one theater in calendar year 2016, just so that it would be eligible for the Oscars that year, which it wasn't even nominated for after that. But it it did get a a more widespread release, uh, I believe it was in April. Uh, of this year where it got into a few theaters and (laughs) so uh, the story centers around two teenagers a boy by the name of taki and a girl by the name of mitsuha and the central concept of this film is that every few days they swap bodies you know one of them wakes up in the body of the other and has to go through you know life as that person and this is where we of course you know come to see you know how the characters are, you know, Mitsuha, she's in this very rural town. Uh, she leads a, a complicated life and that her father is the mayor, but he's not really part of the family. And this is all, all stuff that's explained over the course of the movie is that she lives with her grandmother and is learning the traditional ways of being a priestess, which separates her from the rest of the kids because you know nobody does that old stuff anymore like it's you know oh look at her weird little ceremony that she's doing whereas at the same time you have Taki who lives in the big city and it's you know he's kind of the dream Mitsuha has always wanted to I want to go to Tokyo one day so one day she literally wakes up in Tokyo just not in her own body and Taki of course has his own things going on because he's a teenager of course every teenager has their <laughs> their things to deal with uh, trying to you know with his friends and with his air quotes love life and early on in the movie you get this you know these two characters coming to grips with this weird circumstance because even themselves they're not sure if this is actually happening because once the swap is over it feels more like a dream you're like oh that was that was weird. And it's not until their friends and family start commenting about you were a little strange yesterday. And this goes into what you were saying about how it's animated in a way that when Taki is in his own body, he he kind of looks and acts one way. But when Mitsuha is occupying his body, there are certain things that, you know, a girl is going to, to do, like you said, with the hair and things like that. And... It's it was so charming of seeing that yeah. not necessarily 
this is the worst thing ever, but okay, this is the situation we've got. And seeing these two young people improving each other's lives over the, like the first act of the film, like it, it was, it was fun. It was interesting. It was like, okay, before it gets into like the big heavy stuff in the second and third acts, like it was just a fun little trading space, trading places movie. I, I cannot praise the filmmakers enough for this, for those subtle nuances, especially in him, him slash her versus her slash him. Yeah. It, it was more noticeable because you can have a, a, a tomboy girl and it's it's not quite as noticeable. But as soon as you slap a little bit more femininity in a young boy, especially a teenage boy, boom, you know it. You can see it immediately. And this was so well done that you notice more those little flares, those little nuances when he slash she is distracted and it's, mm. it just naturally comes out, you know, the little twist of the hair just naturally comes out when he's talking versus when she is trying to guard herself more cause she's in his body. So she's trying to act not necessarily more, more butcher or anything, but a little bit more masculine and, and kind of tone it back somewhat. But I thought again, it was, it, it was like watching an actor, a real-life actor, who would be flipping between those two kind of personalities. And if they were good enough that little flares like that came out when they're distracted, I would be just as impressed as I am with the animators here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's, so, it's, it's just so interesting. Like, the movie starts off so... I don't want to say innocent, but they, it's almost... Like again, I, I'm having trouble trying to phrase this, but it's it's it just seems like okay, it's just gonna be this fun little story about this. But seeing where it goes from there and how all that stuff in that first act like builds upon was actually important storytelling and world building and character development leading up to the big revelations at the end. Like they like said it's 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 a film that warrants multiple viewings to pick yes. up on a lot of that stuff. Oh yeah. Well, you kind of glossed over the, um, the 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 ceremony at the beginning kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you were talking about the town that she lives in and it being rural, which does not even begin to describe it. Yeah, the, the cafe is a vending machine. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, but <laughs> fuck, I forget what I was going to say. <laughs> the town, but it's. It's one of those things, and you're probably, I would say, in the same boat as I am in that, you know, if we could win a million bucks and live anywhere in the world kind of thing, I know at least for me, that small town Japan kind of thing for me is damn near heaven. I just love the look of it. I love I love the old aesthetics that are in there. I it's just I think it's a beautiful beautiful culture and land. And so when I was watching through that scene, well even before that as they're walking around and things like that and you see different things. And it's not like it's like ancient Japan. It's it's you there's yeah. there's modern touches, but there's also it still has it's still old enough that it does have a lot of the old stuff still in it. And like where she lives beautiful the ceremony with the braids 
Oh, mm-hmm. was beautiful to watch. It reminded me of watching like the, the 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 pouring of the tea ceremonies and things like that. It was just gorgeous, and and he made it alive by making it so that the grandmother's showing them and teaching them and telling the stories, and 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 you have that feeling of for a moment of looking through the peephole and 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 being a part of that and seeing that, you know, and I and I really. Really love that. So that when they, they did that ceremony afterwards, which FYI, I'll come right out. I'd never even heard of that before. But it's not our culture, so I wouldn't necessarily unless I'd come across it somewhere. <laughs> I, I wouldn't drink it. <laughs> After it's fermented, why not? Um, <laughs> but what a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. Mm-hmm. That was just spectacular. And... Once again, alive and real, thanks to the little nuanced looks from her when she knows that her friends are seeing her do this kind of thing. And it was in that little moment, you you can remember what it was like as a teenager. And something like that can really sink you down. And so you look and your, your heart kind of sinks a little bit for her. But the, the ceremony in and of itself was just spectacularly beautiful. I loved that scene. What I really enjoyed about a lot of that stuff as well is, like you said, uh, Mitsuha herself is apprehensive about this. Like, you know, it's it's the family ways. You know, she's respecting her grandmother by going through with it, but she's unsure, you know. Again, she's a teenager. She's, self, she's self-conscious. You see her little sister that's also going through it. She doesn't feel the same way because she's younger. She doesn't have those, that... Oh, you know, that was that, that same self consciousness. What was that line she said? There was a spectacular, spectacularly well written line where the 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 sister she tells her sister that little sister saying she what was it she she envies her youth or whatever when she doesn't have to care about such things or whatever. It was along those mm-hmm. lines. Just a beautiful line, yeah. But at the same time, when Taki is in her body. He's all into it. Like he's learning about these interesting new things. And it's it like you said, it's us kind of getting a glimpse as, into that way of life through this other person who's also getting a glimpse into that way of yeah. life. And yeah. just seeing like uh, this is a, a teenage boy from the city, you know, typically, you know what you wouldn't think, you know, ancient religious studies would be on, uh, you know, on his uh, list of interests. But he's in this situation and it's it's opening his eyes to all these fantastic things. And I, I really enjoyed that they gave it that that gravity and that importance that you know, this isn't this is a timeless ceremony. And yeah, sure. Modern times might be moving on, but there's still it, it's still a part of their culture. And you just basically explained why this has resonated with so many people around the world it's because for each of the stories we have an in we are being represented by the other person that's in their body that's that's our mm-hmm. portal to that life and because if you were just watching either of their stories in and of themselves then you would be less involved you know less of a voyeur because you're just you're watching what's happening certainly but you're not you're not in it here you're experiencing it anew for the first time initially and then building on that by virtue of the fact that the 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 person who's snuck in is doing the same thing so it's that it ties us to the character in a way that we otherwise would not have gotten and that's why again that trope works beautifully in this circumstance because it really allows you to 
feel a connection to the stories and the characters that you definitely would not otherwise. Mm -hmm. So here's where I'm going to throw up the spoiler warning because I I, I feel if if you want to see this film, I I think we've given you enough reason to, to go out and watch it because it's impossible to discuss where the plot goes and where the character goes without ruining some pretty big points. So if you want to watch the film without the, the plot twists and the revelations being ruined, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time. But <laughs> we got to get into what goes on in the second and third acts. So Taki wakes up one day, you know, back in his body, realizes he had a he had a date, things didn't go right. Well, he tries to get a hold of Mitsuha to figure out exactly what went wrong, where things could have gone, and they can't connect. You know, he can't text her. She, you know, days go by. There's no more body swapping. Something has happened, and it's at this point where Taki kind of becomes the the central character in the story. In on one hand, you know, he had this incredible experience. Over time, he was you know starting to perhaps develop feelings for Mitsuha. And it's this quest to to find her because he can't find any records of her. You know, her name doesn't show up in any you know, any phone directories or anything. He he had this incredibly intense experience that really changed him as a person. You know, emotionally and in a number of ways. And now he's starting to doubt if it ever actually happened. Like he was doubting, like, did this happen? Did I, was it all just an elaborate dream? Am I starting to develop feelings for this girl that doesn't actually exist? And he goes on this quest. Like, he's like, all right, I know where she lives. Let's go. So, uh, you know, he goes on this trip with a couple of his friends, including the, the failed romantic interest that Mitsuha tried to hook him up with. And we come to find out. Yeah, she died a few years ago the the big comet that the 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 town festival was built around there is you know some sort of bizarre accident and a fragment of the comet fell to earth and destroyed the town and we come to find out that they were swapping bodies but not in real time she was visiting him from three years in the past that's why he couldn't find her. She was long dead by the time he was experiencing things. This was one of those, like, <laughs> watching this with Alicia, we were both just, like, we, we we had no words. Like, it was, it was so unexpected and had this gravity that, man, like. <laughs> well, the thing is, the, is that. The, the, is there going to be a happy ending to this story? Yeah. Because she's fucking dead, man. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no happy endings when people are dead. Um, the thing is, is that up until that point, this could still have been a comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a light comedy with a few minor serious moments, but still a comedy kind of thing. And it could have turned into a, ro- a romantic comedy as well. So. At that point, I was still expecting it to be a very light story. Again, first viewing. And then that happened. And you're like, oh, damn. Okay. Oh, yeah. that, that, that's another mark of Shinkai's work. Heartbreaking at every turn. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you sit up and take notice. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing to say about a film. 
because had it gone, once again, the easy route and done a rom-com out of itself, then it'd be like, okay, well, it's fun and it's silly and we're enjoying it and I like the characters and whatnot, but you're not expecting anything groundbreaking. And the moment that you do this, though, you do. You sit up and it's like, oh, okay, I'm I'm paying attention now. You You have my attention. Go for it. And it really then allows you to appreciate that final act because you're all in. And it's where a lot of the small little bits that we saw in that first act that we didn't think would be important to the plot, finally you you realize like, oh, that weird scene with the girl on the train that, you know, we weren't sure if that was foreshadowing or if that had previously happened like it, it it was kind of unstuck in the timeline of the movie and now we realize exactly why because for Taki it was in the past and for Mitsuha it was in the present where she also wanted to go to Tokyo and visit this boy and learn you know this was her big chance so she goes to the city and actually does meet up with Taki but he has doesn't recognize her because it hasn't happened yet it's kind of like that and I know you're going to groan like in lost <laughs> when they did the, the episode that was running, you know, the two timelines running you know, against each other, realizing that one was in the past, one was in the future. And it was, it really changed the entire perception of that show. And for what it's worth, that was a great episode. <laughs> it, you get that same thing here that you realize they're completely unstuck in time. And now this bracelet that you always see Taki messing with throughout the movie, we never really knew the significance of it, is because it's made out of the ribbon from Mitsuha's hair from that time they met before they knew each other. But he knew, like, he just kept it around. Like, he didn't know why. And we, it, it's, it's it, when everything, when all the pieces to the puzzle finally fit together in this at the end of the second act, it's... It's just truly great writing that you you really appreciate how much went into it and how it all actually does make sense, which is hard to do with a time travel story. Yeah, when that it's like you said, when those last couple of pieces fall into play, especially the last, then you're kind of sitting back and going, "Oh, that that was well done." <laughs> you know, as <laughs> as somebody who likes to create too. Damn, that was impressive. You you did a good thing there. And it's it's goes back to my initial point of how all of these little elements that I keep thinking about Miyazaki's um what's the name of the little girl in spirit spirited away again? Um, oh god, don't ask me. But when she taps yeah, her <laughs> when she puts her shoes on and taps her toes. Mm-hmm. And it's such a, a an innocent little gesture but it represents so much of what Miyazaki does and why we love him so and so those little moments with the bracelet and different things like that that to me that was the same kind of thing the 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 when she's always playing with the 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 same thing when she's tying her hair and whatnot and it's just these small little moments that are just they're just flares that you appreciate as it's happening because it still is noticeable there, there's not enough of this type of immersion in all animated films that it's the norm. So when you're seeing it, you're still appreciating for for what it is. But then when he ties it all in together at the end and you're going, oh, you clever bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You did a good job. So what we have in the third act of this movie is Taki realizing that 
okay, time travel is apparently a thing I can do, at least in some sort of way. Maybe I can avert this disaster. And this goes back to what I said about how Taki himself was very interested in the old religious ceremonies and teachings that Grandma was giving to Mitsuha. It's where he remembers that, oh, no, there's this shrine down uh, in, in the valley that, you know, might still be there, turns out it is, with the sake that Mitsuha made that, you know, supposedly contains a part of her soul. And by drinking the sake, this is where he realizes he can actually go back. And I loved the little bit where it's Taki and Mitsuha's body talking to grandma and explaining this to her because, like, now he realizes, okay, there's a ticking clock. I got to save everybody. Might as well just open up with the truth. And grandma's like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. It reminds me so much of uh, the girl who leapt through time. Yes. When she was talking to, I think it was her aunt. Yes. And she's like, oh, yeah, I remember yeah. a thing like that happening. And it's just it's just accepted. Like, it's a weird thing. It's It sort of happens. Every teenage girl in the family goes yes. through this phase, <laughs> if you will. But that's what I like is that mm-hmm. it doesn't spend 15 minutes trying to explain something that we're all right with just accepting. We accept it. Move on. We're, we're in for this. So, yeah, just understand that we were on the same page. Let's keep going with the story. Mm-hmm. And, and it's now the story here is Taki coming up with this incredibly complex plan to essentially get the mayor to evacuate the town before the comet can strike. And it, it, it's actually interesting that it's not something Taki can do. It, it's something Mitsuha herself has to do that, you know, he can do the setup, but you know, he, he doesn't know the people. Like, he doesn't know all of Mitsuha's history, especially with her father, because this is where he becomes very important to the story. You know, why he left the family and, and all, all the animosity there, you know, to start his political career, turning his back on the old ways, this and that. That Taki, trying his best, you know, can't convince him, but it's not until Mitsuha takes takes control of her body again and goes back to her father and just lays down the law that she's the one that saves the day. Yes, Taki was the one that set things in motion, but it was really Mitsuha herself and gaining the confidence of being able to to put all these pieces of her life together that you know, she's the one that saves the town. Well, not the town, but at least the town's people. Yeah, yeah, I really like that as well. We, we're we both on the same page as that. Give us mm-hmm. strong female characters and we are in. And that's what this was. And, and you growth have... too. Like the growth that that little girl goes through. And and this is coming from someone who's raised two girls now. So I get it. I see it and I appreciate it. The growth that she goes through from the beginning of the film to the end is astounding and heartwarming. Mm-hmm. And you have the, in my opinion, the best scene in the movie here near the end where Taki and Mitsuha are both, you know, at the shrine or near the shrine and like the sun is setting and they know that, you know, once the sun sets, that's when their connection ends because that's how it works, you know, when they're swapping bodies. They're at the exact same place, but in different times and due to, you know, the, the cosmic confluences and the sake and all this and that, they're actually able to communicate with each other face to face. But things are already starting to fade. Their perception of each other is starting to fade. And more importantly to them, their memories of each other are starting to fade. And that face to face, that heart to heart, where this is, of course, where the name, the title of the movie comes in. Just tell me your name, because that's not actually something, you know, write your name down so that I can remember you when this is all over. And it it was joyous and heartbreaking at the same time because they never quite 
got there. And this is where, you know, Taki was able to to give Mitsuha the the motivation she needed to to go back to her father and, you know, save the day. And it was it, it was just and of course it was gorgeous at the oh same time God. beautifully animated Oof. with the sun setting and the light and the shadows and the music that music the voice acting everything just came together into this gorgeous perfect scene it was spectacular that's the thing too like when you're building up a story like this then don't fall flat on your face at the end deliver on that promise you you made me perk up and take notice then make it worthwhile and it was not just in terms of a, a moment that you'd been waiting for that face-to-face that you're talking about you spent so long waiting for it and wanting it to mm-hmm. happen and you're rooting for these kids and not just because of of love and affection and and things like that but also everything that that's happened up until this point like again a, a village had been destroyed beforehand so it's not like it's a there, there's consequences here so when you when you couple that with like you said astonishing graphics that you're sitting there with your mouth open like holy crap look at this just beautiful it, it nailed the ending mm-hmm. it's it's just so astonishing that you know oh, I didn't realize until that scene how much I personally had come to care for these two characters over yeah. the course of, you know, the previous hour and a half. Like I, I was so invested in their story, like as the sun setting, I'm like, hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> it was like an, it was an edge of your seat, dramatic moment. Like there was no action going on, but yeah, there was that ticking clock. There was all this previous development with the characters going on that it, if you watch this movie without getting invested there's something wrong with you because it's so wonderfully crafted and from beginning to end, the way the story goes, the way the characters start and connect and grow and come back together and everything is intertwined thematically with, with in the writing in the characters that yes, this was not a perfect movie. And as I said, it's not even Shinkai's best movie, but it's still a, damn good movie that I think anybody should see, regardless of how you feel about animation, Eastern or Western. I agree. Honestly, I've praised it enough. I, there's nothing more I can say. I agree. Go watch this film. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And I'm really looking forward to see where Shinkai goes from here because he had all these fantastic films in his repertoire, but it was a lot, a lot of it was below the radar. They were, they were modest financial successes because, you know, they had small budgets and they made their money back, what have you. And your name just blew up to be this, such a huge thing. Now it's gonna be interesting to see how he reacts as a creator. Like he says he has a new, he has a new movie in the works. It'll be out in a couple years. We'll see. But it, it, this is something that can break somebody's career. Like you finally have all this overwhelming success. You feel the need to live up to it. And I, I certainly hope that he continues with these films because, as I said, he's not going to be the next Miyazaki, but only because nobody will be. But he could be the leading force in Japanese animation for the next several decades if he can keep up at his current level of quality because he, he has already a fantastic career and that's only in a little over a decade. I don't want another Miyazaki. 
Exactly. I really don't want another Miyazaki. Because you know what? People have tried. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and they should not. Now, this is... I know that there's a lot more going on behind the scenes here and that creators are pressured into doing that kind of thing. And it's all about money is what it boils down to and the popularity of that quote unquote brand, certainly. But the point I'm making is I feel the same way about any kind of creator, be it a, a writer, a, a director and or whatever. I don't want them. I don't want him to be another Miyazaki be him do what you Mm -hmm. are doing now and continue doing that you will build up a library of work that will showcase your talent which is astounding you can do amazing beautiful things so do that i the people who try to shoehorn everybody into a miyazaki role Mm -hmm. are missing the point what makes miyazaki miyazaki is because that's who he is and that's his way of creating and that's that's good but they don't all have to be that way and i'm not gonna lie i didn't watch your name and think "Ah, this would be better if it looked like a miyazaki film no no fuck no i loved it and i adored the way it looked when you're seeing um the scene i know you were wrapping up there but just ever so quickly sure when um when you're looking at the scene where she is in his body and comes out of their apartment and she comes out for the first time and she turns around after closing the door and sees Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And you get this sweeping panoramic shot that is gorgeous. Like unbelievably beautiful, beautiful. I, I, I watched it actually also on my uh, my Mac, which is 5K. Now, granted, this isn't displaying at 5K, <laughs> but you're you're seeing sometimes more when you're looking at it at that resolution this big. It's 27-inch right in front of me. And that shot is astounding. It's just perfect in its execution. And again, I didn't stop and think, well, this would look better if it looked like... It. Miyazaki had done this. No, I was quite happy with the animation as it was. It was stunning. Mm-hmm. So since I know you're not ever going to let me talk about it on this podcast, I'll just throw in that two of the best films I've seen in the past year have come out of Japan, and that's Shin Godzilla and Your Name. So I'm very happy to see that because there there was a pretty big downturn in the Japanese film industry, you know, right around that whole Miyazaki retiring thing, which how'd that work out for him? But it, it so much was built around that we can't be successful without, you know, certain creators on board. And there there's finally new people kind of rising up and it's not just critical success anymore. There's incredible commercial success to come along with along with it. So I'm actually very happy to see the the film industry in Japan being revitalized and starting to branch out and have more mainstream success across seas as well, because that's only going to end well for everybody. The creators are going to get more profile. They're going to have bigger budgets to do better animation. And then us over here on this side of the ocean, we're going to get some great friggin' movies to watch. So I'm actually really excited to see where things go in the next couple of years. Agreed. So thank you very much for this, listening to this episode of Popcorn Ronin. You can find us online at popcornronin.com to check out the show notes and all of our previous episodes. You can follow us individually on Twitter. Roger is at Zen Buddhist. I am at Samodian. And we'll see you in a few weeks because I think our next episode is going to be Logan, correct? Logan, right. Yes. Dude. If if you enjoyed <laughs> our Guardians of the Galaxy uh, 
not director's commentary, but two idiots commentary track. Uh, we got another one of those coming up for the fantastic Wolverine movie that came out earlier this year that I know I cannot wait to get a hold of that. God, that's I I have been looking for it. Not that this was not fun. It really was. <laughs> and it's a great show that we're encouraging people to see. But I have been waiting to talk about Logan while watching Logan <laughs> with you <laughs> since I saw this movie the first time. I've since seen it several times. So, yeah, I'm very much looking forward to this. And I'm also looking forward to hearing what you think about Shinkai's other movies because I'm sure oh, yeah. that's a conversation that's going to come up in a few weeks. Yeah, definitely. All right. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. For more movie, TV, and anime reviews, please make sure to stop by popcornronin.com and leave the guys your thoughts in the comments. If you'd like to hear more from Roger and Vince, check out their comic book informer podcast and Internet Dragons TV gaming videos. And lastly, thanks to Manelli Jamal for the show's theme music. We encourage everyone to check out his site, ManelliJamal.com, or find him on iTunes and help support this incredible musician by picking up his CDs. Mm-hmm.